Wonderful. So welcome everyone. Thank you for, for waiting. We always give people a few minutes because it seems like that's the, uh, the deal. People jump in right after the hour. So welcome. I'm going to start our group. I'm Sibylla Smith, and this is our photo book book group, and thank you for coming. Um, I've learned a few things as I've done this over the year, and the first one is to comment on the fact that these platforms are supported by so many other small businesses and entities that amplify contemporary photography. So I started these unscripted conversations and, and talking about the bookmaking process because it's very central to my work and certainly it's my work is amplifying contemporary photography. So one of the things that India Beale, who was a guest said, she stopped us and said, okay, everyone get out your phone because you probably have it right next to you and start following these people. So I hope you're following Sonia. I hope you're following Mary Virginia Swanson. I hope you look at who else is in the the room and follow them. I hope you follow me. Um, you'll learn about Conveyor Studios, and if you're not following them, you should. Um, they're a part, or a part of Conveyor Studios is Poor Farm Press. Um, I just no, not correct. Okay, well, I'll, I'll come back and fix that. Um, and um, and I just talk about nonprofits because there's a million of them, and how we need to support them because they amplify. Um, all of the efforts in contemporary photography. This week is the Griffin Museum of Photography, which is here on the East Coast, and they have a whole week on uh, photo books. Um, I could name and list practically nonprofits in almost every state in the United States. So I, I, I encourage you to support those. So I am so excited. Um, to introduce Sonia Thompson and also to have been introduced to her, which was done by Odette England, who knew that I would like take a deep dive into this book and be screaming about it. And that's exactly what has happened over the last uh, many uh, days that I have just been in it and thinking about it. And uh, it's really quite a gem and I'm so excited. So I'll tell you a little bit about um, Sonia. And I love this. This is kind of an amalgam of my reading a little bit about you and then spending time with your work. And um, you just spark so many ideas. But here's how I like a description of you. Thompson's installation practice creates space for wonder as a radical way to imagine post-patriarchal futures. I literally want to read it again because it's like, your installation practice creates space and the space is for wonder and for wonder to be a radical way to imagine post-patriarchal futures. And we could just stop there and talk for the next hour and a half about that. We won't, however. Um, it just jumps into the people who know me get tired of me talking about Frederick Douglass's description of radical imagination, but it is literally the space and images are seminal to it. Photography is seminal to it. It's holding this space to imagine the world, not as it is, but as it could be. So kudos to you putting it so clearly. So I write that her multifaceted practice choreographs light and space with photography, sculpture, you activate light, you work with architecture, you work with geometry, uh, you work with multimedia. 
you're exhibited internationally and collected and acquired in museums across the United States and including Iceland, which is another topic as I have really important ties to Iceland. Um, you're a member of the International Collective Piece of Cake Collective, I think that's still active, yes? Great, and a professor in the photo department of the School of Art, of the Art Institute of Chicago. So welcome, Sonia, and thank you for letting me do a long introduction, but so good to meet you, and I'm very excited. Um, as I mentioned, you sparked literally thousands of ideas and also a lot of resources and research on my part, which I love. Um, you provided a wonderland, a real rabbit hole. But what I was thinking is just in terms of a very loose frame is getting into an understanding and asking you to start with your creative practice. Mm -hmm. um, because I think your creative practice then maybe focus a little on the women that you highlighted, amplified, and um, reclaimed a narrative for in the book. Um, and then we'll get into some more specifics of the bookmaking. So, well, so thank you welcome. for that. Well, like, wow, beautiful to be here, wonderful to share space with all of you, to hold space together. Um, and Yes, I'm feeling the love. Uh, that was really lovely. Uh, you know, my practice, I think you you landed really well. I mean, choreography is something that I talk a, a lot about. Um, you know, I most of my work in the world is ephemeral. It's site-specific, responding to an architectural um, space that I'm kind of gifted to activate. Um, and it, that works usually with thinking about how to activate light in the image, light in the space, and light within kind of sculptural elements. And so I think about photographs, not only about, um, you know, holding space within the frame, but I use them as conduits within an architecture. They like literally kind of map and choreograph the space. So I think about them as compass points in a way and, and think about how the body moves, how as we move, and we see, right, that time-based um, looking, things evolve, new things um, happen. The lights, working with light is, you know, a wonderful tool because it's always, uh, daylight particularly, it's always evolving. So there was a real challenge for me in thinking about making a book in that I always have hesitated thinking about the book as like a tomb or the end. And so in my practice, I often like, I make these small zines. Whenever I um, start with an installation, I usually make a small zine to kind of map how those photographs work and how they can start to articulate the space. So the book is usually a beginning, not an end. Mm -hmm. And then to think about how to make a book that moves in parallel with my installation practice, um, rather than being its own, uh, finite, you know, gesture, and also how I could make a book that seeds and generates new work, because everything mm -hmm. is really iterative in my practice. Mm -hmm. And so every move or every installation kind of um, births the next um, move. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to figure out how to embed that. So the fact that you said, you know, you had a little bit of a rabbit hole, deep dive like that, yeah, the potential in there to um, 
pull out new ideas or even new threads of research. That for me feels really exciting um, with this book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that you masterfully did that because mm -hmm. it's actually a mystery, right? Um, that you, it's so interesting and it's actually really challenging to talk about because it sparks so many ideas. It's actually really hard to hold on to one, but here's the thing. You gave us a prism, right? And you refracted light, but you refracted ideas. So think of your ideas as going through prisms and refracting into all these other avenues. You did that in a number of different ways. Like you, you, you could, we could pull this way back and take a drone look and say, yes, there's art and science that's foundational to this, but you wrestle both the art and the science to be looked at and refracted like over and over and over again. It's, it's quite fascinating. Um, and it, and it, and it's, you talk about an iterative practice it's an immersive practice mm. to be in the book. Mm. That's really generous. Thank you. I mean, so the book was a bit of a hot mess uh, initially. <laughs> it is just my map, you know, and like my brain dump. And so I am in, yep. in forever indebted to my editor, Christina um, Levy, who worked with me, you know, for a good year. I thought the book was done and we kind of pulled at it. And she, you know, she really clearly said, I, I need to help you translate, mm -hmm. you know, I think through photographs and, you know, there's like this other dummy where like, I literally took apart the initial book and I add, I started adding text and like trying to like articulate what were the ideas that were being held in these photographs for me mm -hmm. to try to start to uh, develop that further. Um, mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that translation was really, really helpful. Um, but I do think that you, it is, it is a multifaceted and it's a hard space to land, but I think that the, like, the defiance against a singular or linear read mm -hmm. is in a way this post-patriarchal gesture in the, in this idea that like, it is not a work that's grounded in an intellect it's not a work that's solely grounded in the body it's not a work that's grounded in the sacred space it's it's a work that insists on trying to map the intersections of those things mm -hmm. and to, to think about um well to allow ourselves to get lost um and then to want to reorient to relearn mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well what's interesting right is um that is reflective or follows the course of the bookmaking process. It's this mm -hmm. idea of construction, deconstruction, revisiting, and then really articulating in form and material and constructing. So you did that for us. However, as a reader, there's a part that you're doing that as well with the material that you're, you're giving us. And I, I really, um, I mean, there's part synergy and talk about spiritual. It was like you and Christina were obviously meant to work together because um, of what you're each bringing to it. I, I, I listened to her talk about working with you. And one of the things was to help you 
prioritize your ideas, mm -hmm. as well as to let go of some of them or find other ways to express them mm -hmm. so that, that you honed in on areas and found ways to have like whispers of other ideas, but to be able to say to you, look, this isn't a magnum opus in it's your only, right, let's right. make it what it is and let some others, you know, like almost like let some seeds germinate too. Um, yeah, Christina's so, really, really good at kind of reminding me, this will not be your only book. You don't have to do all the moves, right? And like where, where and how to pull back. Um, and, you know, what we found was, and what, what I have found that has become really important for me is thinking about, back to this idea of holding space, like one of the questions that I'm grappling with, and even more so, um, you know, now after it was supposed to be out six months ago and then COVID and our world turning upside down and um, all of our, you know, conscious work, hopefully daily work we're doing to be more anti-racist, like this positioning of how do you, as a woman especially, but how do you um, take up space mm -hmm. and simultaneously share space? And I think that that's a really important question. And the idea of like holding um, one's power and then also making room for everyone in the space. And so, you know, 2015, I had a solo show at the DePaul Art Museum and it was a really important moment in a year for me personally and um, within my practice. But at the time I was making that work, I was thinking a lot about like the legacy of um, Lazlo Moholy Naj, uh, Buckminster Fuller. I was thinking about, um, you know, light and space artists, James Terrell, Robert Irwin. And I'm sitting there walking through the show, also like super pregnant. I, ha I had my second child um, literally one week after the show opened. Mm -hmm. And Shannon, who's here was amazing and helped me build my sculpture during that show. Um, and I'm like, why, why am I always orienting the work to these white men, basically? And realizing how the canon wasn't serving me and that I was just kind of passively receiving it. So from those three, three men particularly, I tried to pivot to think about like, who is in their surrounding? Mm -hmm. Who are the women that helped form them? Who are the women um, in, in their uh, orbit? Um, uh. And that's what I do a lot in my own studio is think about like how to manifest mass for these women that I'm orbiting. And um, wait, 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 one second. Manifest mass for the women you're orbiting. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's what I hope the book does. Yeah. That's, I got to quote you on that. So I had to write it fast. And I also realized that like I could talk and talk. I do have a PDF, so let me go so we can look at that sculpture that was actually very um, uh, seminal mm -hmm. um, and continues to be um, an inspiration, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, let me just go to full screen. Yay, there we go. So this was post the 2015 this is from 2012 yeah yeah so this is the first time i showed it and then um it was part of the solo show to paul then um in 2015 but um gotcha 
and, and Shannon, who is here, was with me on um, all of that legacy. So love to you, Shannon. Um, so when I made this form, this was a, as a photographer, we always kind of go out with our camera and respond to the world. Um, my firstborn was essentially um, brand new when I received a grant um, and I went to Iceland actually. And I came back from Iceland. I had this vision of this crystalline architecture on the edge of Land's End, if anyone knows San Francisco, um, where I lived for quite a while and my heart is still there. Cliche as it is. Um, and uh, so this, this vision of this architecture kind of just haunted my mind. I started drawing it. Um, I started making cardboard models. And with the help of this grant um, and then able to kind of build another superpower team of uh, women to help me, we created this piece called Trace of Possibility. And I thought about it as this cave um, and also this mountain, the piece feels, you know, your body can fit into it. So there's also a lot of me thinking about a womb. Um, and, you know, we have the legacy of Plato's cave and thinking about photography, but this is a, a kind of a camera with, or mirror without a memory, and I write mm -hmm. that in the book. Mm -hmm. So the language around this piece, and then also just trying to navigate, like, is, is math in everything? Why don't I know more about math? Mm -hmm. Why was geometry, like, gendered? Um, you know, all of these just questions started to spill out of this move. Mm -hmm. That's the back view. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the material was, it's very, you know, it's conduit that was kind of hand bent. It's a, a fairly thin plexi. So it's not like something that's fabricated and fixed. It breaks down and I can just pack it in my car and drive away. And then <laughs> this idea too, of things kind of um, taking up space and then kind of rescind, rescinding in the space, um, mm. just making it practical for me as an artist. Um, but the, the, it felt really, heavy and yet it was very light uh it was it was very reflective and bright as you can see but also the material is somewhat translucent so you can see through it if the light hits it just right so there are all of these dualities within the material and the form that started to really um yeah it's also um reminiscent of what you were talking about where your goal is for women to be able to uh, hold space, take up space, and to also have room for the other, right? So another duality between material and form, really. And I love this idea that that sculpture is literally an embodiment of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And maybe um, you could reflect on, um, um, on how uh, Maria Nordman came into your consciousness and your thought process. So, you know, the whole book is is ultimately pivoting to these three women, which then ended up kind of mapping three different centuries and Maria Norman being a contemporary um, artist. One of the few women written into the history of the light and space movement on the West Coast, but you know, she is a conceptual artist and one that um, insists on her work being experienced, not photographed. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that about her. And yet then there's this kind of um, invisibility of the practice because the, of the lack of documentation in a way. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I think for me, Maria's practice is so much about holding space 
and sharing space. Like she's very clear about the conceptual framework and the rules mm -hmm. of engagement with her work, but she, mm -hmm. it's generous, right? And it's open. Um, you know, one of the opening statements to, and I think I have this in the book, to, to one of her um, books is for whomever might arrive, right? And then, mm. Mm -hmm. And, and um, she kind of maps within a um, experiential and a metaphysical um, way mm -hmm. in her writing. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the pictures in the book, I don't know if I have it, it's actually a digital negative um, that could be printed so the book could generate its own image, um, is me kind of at the Marion Goodman Gallery like spending time with all of her books mm -hmm. in one location. Um, how did I find her? I think, yeah, it was, it was pivoting from someone like a Terrell mm -hmm. and then, you know, Helen Pashkin and Maria Nordman and, and Mary Course um, are like the three women that have been included in that moment in that history. But then Maria Nordman was kind of the most elusive because I, it was hard to find the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you had given me this slide because of wanting to, um, as we move into the book, show how there's a relationship between the installation and the book. Yeah, that there's, yeah, again, this idea that they kind of move in parallel. And so um, a lot of the images that happen in the book, I don't see anything as like one singular project, right? I live in a flow, we are a flow. And so the work, there's, there's photographs that were seeds for different installations that have happened in this past like six year timeline. Um, and then there's new pictures that were made in response that end up in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, I just have to ask Matilda, is, the, um, is this in a double space because of how we made it or do we need to shift it? Hang on one sec. There we go. Thanks. Okay, because I want to just make that bigger. Thank you. Um, and I'm just going to move to the book, which I didn't start with the cover, but um, I love the idea that you talk about that the cover is actually a diagram of your creative process, which is so cool. And, and it's what I mean about your engagement with your reader, that you make us think and you make us um, actually formulate and follow ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and what I, so, so I spent time on this you know, and end on the back. And then when you go in, you, you, it's almost like a key, right? To mm -hmm. what's on the front and then you're interactive with it. And then I start looking and thinking. So, mm -hmm. um, and the cover itself, which Alana helped me design is actually like one large piece. Yes. I know, love that. My own sculptural. Is there a name for doing something like that? I'm sure there is, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I thought that was really um, uh, a beautiful component of it. And I hadn't seen something like that. It just sits so nicely. Mm -hmm. um, 
So do you want to talk about that key at all? Um, you know, that was really in collaboration with Alana. Uh, um, here's a, here's a dummy <laughs> that, uh, Christina and I really kind of, so we worked out a lot of the kind of chapter and the organization in the, um, in the interior body. And then um, Alana came in and tweaked within the body in terms of like um, format and font, but the cover we really left is like this literal blank slate. Um, and I had all of these, um, yeah, we kind of pulled different pieces from, some of the dictionary piece, my friend Nat um, Piper actually drew the diagram that's a kind of mapping my own. He was mapping like my artistic trajectory and was this beautiful drawing. So I included that um, that's under Maholi. Um, and then, you know, when you say it's, it's hard to talk about, I find that that's a real challenge with my practice in general. It's, it's hard to, to land in one concise, uh, pitch, you could say. Um, yes. so this, 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 this quote of Maria Norman that it's not a subject, it's not an object, it's not passive, it's not finished. I was like, yes, that is exactly what it is. It's not all those things. Um, so whatever is left is what my work is also. Yeah, well, I think that's probably why I was so um, synergistically connected because I think similarly and I am also challenged to um, put it out in any sound bite that makes sense but because it doesn't always reflect the other so I really appreciate the use of this type of matrix right because just like your sculpture that it is that and that it isn't linear and also that what you're presenting um and I feel a synergy with my own creative practice, which is actually other people's creative process. So talk about abstract, but it's this idea that everyone's going to reflect or take something different from what I'm trying to frame because of their own experience and everything else that makes them. Mm -hmm. So that's why that's the only reason I say um, it's, challenging to talk about because it encompasses so many things. And, you know, I find that like delightful um, and really exciting and really, really smart. And the idea that, um, that these three women's ideas are being amplified, literally in one case, what, 200 years later. Um, it really is a re-narrative, uh, reclaiming a narrative. It's challenging a canon. And um, it's actually, uh, and I have a quote about this, but um, rewriting history mm. in a way that reflects the actuality of the history. Mm. Um, uh, I love that this is your tenant. I just wonder is radical. And yeah. And it's. Yeah. And I think I have, a note, I have a note here on my table. That's like serious play and radical wonder. That's what you are. <laughs> it's like my reminder. Right. But yes. To like, yeah. To, to embrace the, the play and the improv that exists within the land of um, experimentation, whether that's scientific experimentation or kind of just your artistic process like there's there's 
being trained as like a, you know, a, a, a scientist in undergrad and, and thinking about like that system, that process of like asking questions and then having a failed experiment, like that's the jam. And in that opens up new knowledge. And, exactly. and so the idea that for me, science is this thing that we oftentimes think as fixed and as the, this fact that is a hard line, which it is, but it's always reinventing itself, right? So in the book too, we kind of move from Newtonian physics to kind of thinking about quantum physics and even just thinking about, you know, how our own knowledge and science embrace of that rewriting um, mm -hmm. is something that, yeah, I, I, I um, also uh, am in line with. And the idea that wonder is something that's grounded in delight. And here I'm, I'm borrowing from Philip Fisher's book, but, and the idea of the sublime, because I oftentimes had people talk to me a lot about beauty and the sublime when thinking about my work. And I do think that sublime is grounded in um, fear and ideology um, and patriarchal thinking really in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. wonder being something that's often infantized right that mm -hmm. you have like a childlike wonder mm -hmm. um or that it's a feminine right or that it's subservient mm -hmm. in some way so embracing wonder as the radical transformative tool that it is is um yeah political for me absolutely have you ever read um susan griffith it's called, this is a very old book. It's from the seventies and it's called Women in Nature, The Roaring Inside Her. And okay. the book is literally written in two different fonts because it has the more scientific quote, male perspective. And then the female quote, nature perspective. And this idea of the fear of that which can't be controlled. So let's infantilize it or let's put it subservient. It, it goes back to Carol Gillian and in a different voice where she did the same in terms of psychology, that no rational thinking is not above a more collective communal thinking. Right. Actually, you need both. And so this, it's really interesting. I think one of the wonders of now is our blowing up of binaries on so many levels that we can't deny them. We can't, we can't like act like they aren't there. It's like, are you kidding? They're in our DNA because of how reinforced it is. It's, you mentioned it yourself that when you were looking at the canon, it wasn't reflecting you, but you were passively digesting it mm -hmm. without realizing that, that issue. And then I just want to bring up one more thought that you made me um, think of as you talked about the physics and the reimagining of physics mm -hmm. over time, given different platforms. It is the geometry, I think, of a spiral, mm -hmm. um, which has to do with a cycle, which for me with a psych background has to do with Jungian thought mm -hmm. and that that is totally how we're working both individually and collectively. And so that we come around to it again with new eyes, with exactly. new experience, um, with new voices. So I really love the expansiveness of that. And you ask in the book, like, how do we know? How do we learn? What, where does, where does, I think you, and I might've quoted in here, where does curiosity land in your body? Mm -hmm. I loved that 
idea. And, and so this idea that knowledge itself isn't static um, and we have to think of our total being, we're a body and a mind and we feel in our body as much as we think in our mind. But again, that male patriarchal hierarchical thinking it puts it as if the thinking is better when mm-hmm. it's like, excuse me, your brain is housed in, in an amazing machine, like get to know it and where else mm-hmm. knowledge can land and curiosity and thought and fear, uh, feelings like where are they in the body? I think it's, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that all of those things are true. And, you know, one thing about the work is the minute you make something, you're already kind of moving on to the next thing, or you're thinking about your own kind of personal evolution and like in my own spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, thinking about and questioning, like, where does white supremacy land in my body? Like I pivoted Mm -hmm. towards these women, but all of these women are white you know, I think for me, that is like a space of the, a lot of work that I'm doing right now. And even within the physicists that I reference, um, Jen 11, and then, uh, Frank, uh, Karen Barad, uh, is, a a queer, um, feminist and physicist lecturer and her book just landed in my lap. And I'm like, okay, now I have to absorb this and think about that next evolution um, but she's really interesting in how she impacts actually the two split experiment and what animates light itself as particle or wave or why science wants to think about light at the, as that binary and that actually at a quantum level, the, you know, everything is fluid um, and mapping that into the politics of um, queer and racial um, justice, really. So that's kind of where my brain is now. And, um, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about the book and its limitations, but I think I just want to voice that because I think that's where my, I mentally am right now. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I think it's this idea that, uh, owning that evolution and owning that lens as it expands and it has, you know, could you reference the book and tell us the name of that? Uh, Karen Barad, Meeting the Universe Halfway. I can mm-hmm. share um, a really good um, lecture with Deb and she can share. Oh, that'd be great because we do list these resources. And I just want to name another, which is Resma Menikin, if you're mm-hmm. not familiar with his work. Um, Grandmother's Hands is really... It's right here behind me in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging through that right now to map yes. map where it lives in my body. Yeah, that's fantastic. Exactly, exactly. And this idea that, um, you know, I have, a, I have another book a friend of mine actually wrote. It's called Waking Up White uh, by Debbie Irving. And she was an educator and stepped out of the Cambridge school system to understand something she hadn't which was really to look at race. And she went to, she'll talk about this in her book and in her TED talk and lectures, but she went to a class and she's like, oh, I'm so excited to learn about race. Like as if she didn't have one. Mm -hmm. And this idea of like all that she learned and that's what this book is about. Um, Yeah. 
So I'm going to go through a few. I loved this part. Truth like stars can only be seen out of the corner of your eyes. Um, and that idea that, again, really interesting to go back to uh, this other work about particles and waves. It's like where, where light lands for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm showing some of the elements of the book in, in, in these um, slides, but it's this idea mm-hmm. of how you very purposefully layered form and material and um, even such subtle references I learned of taking something, I don't know if it was from which woman's seminal book with the parentheses around the page number. Um, So thoughtful, thoughtful design elements that literally link you to the people that you're uh, amplifying. Mm. And these were your handwritings, right? That got shared and then ultimately got put in. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, we kind of, and like right next to me is my, uh, my notebooks that are like this gridded paper. So we kind of just played that one-to-one process um, in, and then Alana added this really subtle gradient. So they're like the, the vellum pieces have always kind of been in there within like, um, right, this idea of layering and translucency that happens collectively in the experience of an installation and how can I kind of create that transformative space within a book. Um, and then working with Alana and Christina, we just kind of amped up the layers um, in terms of referencing, yeah, that's uh, Margaret Fuller's quote um, from a woman in the 19th century, which um, I mean, she, each one is just like amazing deep dive, but Margaret Fuller, 19th century writer, uh, essentially wrote or translated Goethe's um, writing from German to English and and then became kind of um, a queen essentially in, in intellectual circles, right? And one of one of the few women, but she started her own kind of conversation series for women to meet and to to kind of grapple with and talk about ideas. Um, and wrote one of these, the first kind of text. She was Buckminster Fuller's um, great aunt. So in thinking about him and his kind of systematic thinking, but also the the fragments and the geometry, um, it's interesting to think about the complexity of her thinking um, and and her relationships that then also, you know, we imprint on each other generationally, right? So there's this whole other thing of kind of mapping my own matriarchal like family history and thinking about these women that I'm orbiting, but also like my own genealogy, like what's imprinted within me. Absolutely. It's really interesting. I talk often, um, I was really moved last summer and have continued. I listened to something called um, Black History Boot Camp that is put out by Girl Trek. And it's a podcast that um, gives unbelievable historical space to all of these people whose lives literally transformed our own and we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is that whole idea of um, the generational ancestral that's also very Jungian that we're, we have a collective consciousness that we are bringing forward and it ties us to our ancestors. And so one of the ways that um, 
Girl Trek is who started uh, Black History Boot Camp talks about we are all daughters of. Mm -hmm. So it's daughters of Audre Lorde, daughters of Maya Angelou, and and our owning of the daughters of. Um, I remember going to uh, a presentation once. It, it took my breath away where a woman came up and when she was ready to be introduced, that's all she stood there and said, I am Barbara, daughter of, daughter of, daughter of. It was so moving. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the generational. I'm going to move through some other pieces because I want to make sure we have time too for uh, people to ask. But maybe um, this idea, there is a structure where I, 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 I loved that there is a rhythm, but there isn't repetition. And I love that there are rules mm -hmm. as in like, okay, if I'm gonna use text or if I'm going to use theory or if mm -hmm. I'm going to use quote, they are handled differently. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could talk about that. Well, I have to give uh, so much credit to Christina in thinking about how to structure and I learned so much with her, right? So one of the rules that she laid out is we're just thinking about, you know, within my installations, photographs range in very small to wall size immersive murals. And so I wanted to play with the scale and the play of the images, but we couldn't do all of it, right? And so a rule is like, if we're having a text block, which are these, they're titled by the person, although they're really just kind of ideas that that person inspired in a way, they're not really biographical. Mm -hmm. um, we're gonna have this kind of full bleed image. Um, and then the way that the half page kind of redacts and makes a new image um, as you turn the page, Alana added the color um, gradient. So there's like one full spectrum that plays out in the book when you turn the half page. And then as you start again, the spectrum continues. So um, yeah, the, you know, the Isaac Newton thing is really, I teach color concepts quite often. Um, at school and you know I love you starting like day one with the um, Isaac Newton story that is just also again a mirroring of our own artistic process like so your question is like where do rainbows come from the first thing you do is you find a knife and you stick it in the back of your eye you use your own body and what's immediate to see if you can manifest or solve the question and then that didn't work so then you find a tool and so I kind of, um, I love the intensity of that. Um, and also, you know, he was what, like 22 or 23 um, when he named the rainbow, right? And so then also just the authority and naming something like mm. why we have RGB, right, Roy G. Biv. It's because of Newton decided. So how can I like empower my students to author and like name something and just say like, this is what it is mm. um, rather than waiting for some other kind of affirmation. And it's, mm. you know, what I try to do for myself as an artist as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I like an example of the production. Yeah. Mm. This was so incredible when you, you actually wrote that I think you wrote that in an email to me. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I asked about. a question. Because <laughs> um, I was like, wait, what about? And I was like, oh my gosh, can I quote you? Because that idea of going back to the sculpture and going back to that shape 
and this whole concept of the triangle and it's being seen as a shield and a sail. It was just mm -hmm. profound, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is one of the smaller models that we made before, like in the process of making that larger sculpture. And I've just become really fond of this piece in and of itself because it's mobile. And that's me kind of in the water trying to basically blind the camera and like map the line, you know, and that angle of ref direct reflection. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, the failure to do so um, and the different scales um, I'm, I'm measuring there in that action. So this form appears over and over again, whether or not it's me kind of playing with the sculpture itself or then photographing like, um, paper reproductions of that form. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I haven't figured that one totally out. <laughs> it just, it just keeps, um, reappearing keep circling back in that spiral. But the idea that you got that refraction at the top of the triangle is kind of amazing. And I can imagine jumping up and down when that became visible, right? Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful um, alignment uh, in the spectrum. This is, I think, one of your children. Mm, that's actually uh, a niece, but my, a niece. One of my kids is behind her. Yeah, so the there's a lot about right holding space, but then how do we like how do we hold light? Um, and you know, light being the thing that I'm yeah trying to understand, but then it being um, energy mm -hmm. and um, like all of all of the things that it holds. And so here, this gesture, I love the ambiguity of like her shielding her eyes from like seeing it or being blinded or her actually like holding it and, and catching it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and um, you know, she's like that kind of awkward adolescent age, like her hand is kind of a weird proportion. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, there's a few, um, there's a few literal hands, but the whole book in some ways is, you know, its own holding of light. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and also, uh, I remember Christina mentioning that because motherhood was an aspect, I mean, as you looked at, you've got three generations of women, you have three generations in your family since you were a mom in this process. Um, Four, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. And this idea that um, there is a nod to your very specific familial relationships, but it's quite inferred. It is not direct. And so it's taking something that was potentially one of your original ideas and bringing it down in its hierarchy for what you're focusing on and using it still, but in a different way, right? Not yeah. as a, a, an obvious or a, a hard hit, not a um, emphatic use. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a, um, there's a, a image of a chromosome on the, in the kind of front cover and like, there's a whole legacy of that one of genetics um, in the book. And so 
one is it's mapping my own, like when I was a science major, the human genome project was huge and it was, you know, becoming the, the, the genome was mapped after 10 years of work. Uh, and I was in school when that was happening. So it was like this huge revelation, right. In the same way that, you know, maybe the discovery of the Higgs boson particle or the image of the black hole has been. Um, so that felt really monumental, but then, you know, the, and the way that we understand and how quickly we can map genes now and we can map entire like ecosystems. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's this, you know, other personal genetic narrative going on. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, the familial trickles through there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Woman must put herself into the text as into the world and into history by her own movement. And I think we can also say language and image and thought and vision. Um, yeah. Yeah, this piece, I, when I read it, just really kind of blew my mind. I think it's from 1976 and I was born in 1978. So there's a lot of, I'm also just kind of mapping my own timeline and what's happened in my short lifetime thus far. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the women that is kind of central to the book and specifically with photography. So we kind of have Margaret Fuller in relationship to literature and then Lucia Moholy um, being, you know, a photographer in her own right, but completely written out of the narrative of the Bauhaus. And so when I think about that quote, particularly, I'm thinking about um, her insistence on kind of writing this essay that corrects the inaccuracies of she and Laszlo Moholy Naj's collaboration. And um, also like suing, you know, for the rights to her glass plate negatives. So there's, you know, she kind of is grounded within like women in photography specifically, um, and women as collaborators, or when you co-author work, how does, how do you share space and hold space? Um, and then Maria Nordman kind of mapping a more contemporary practice and a conceptual practice um, and the ways in which I orient my work in relationship to light and space and also the legacy of the history of photography. Mm, wow. So is that the marginal notes that yeah. she wrote? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's funny. Um, one of um, uh, someone who came to my Concept Aware class is on the call, Karen Olson, and in the middle of a five-day Concept Aware uh, workshop that I taught at Maine Media, um, we came up with a collaborative process, and I didn't make rules for it. I just gave this inspiration space and then said, okay, go to it, like, see you tomorrow, and, and like, people froze, and and it was really fun because actually one person said, wait, I don't understand. How are we going to make a photograph collaboratively? Like who presses the shutter was mm -hmm. the question. And it's like, I said, I don't know, but you'll figure it out. And they went off and their experience blew me so out of the water. I made the director come in and see the images that they had made collaboratively. It was a real lovely deep dive. And I love that you've come up with and spoken about collaborative co-authoring co and again, co-authoring being something um, where it is holding space and being collective at the same time. Right. And I loved that um, 
in listening to you and Christina talk that there's also a bit of reflection there and you get to see yourself more clearly because you're mm -hmm. in, in, you're being reflected. Um, and I, I, I remember, um, hearing that, you know, there's a tendency that we can be, be more generous with other people than we can necessarily with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that when you get into a co-authoring experience, it, it stops that, which is honestly a very hierarchical way to think of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're let, you know, flattening the curve too. It's like not a good, better, best, but just like more accepting and being expansive and open. Mm -hmm. um, but that takes so much work, right? I mean, and that takes so sure. much. So, you know, it's very hard to do well. And um, yeah, to be flexible. Um, yeah, I'm still, yeah, forever a student. <laughs> oh, well, and no easy way. I mean, that's why um, I brought up to you uh, when we first got on about the journal collective on Instagram and these women in groups putting up exhibitions by consensus. Mm -hmm. A lot easier to do it a different way. You know, consensus takes so much more time, takes more compromise, takes more thinking actually, takes the ability to let go, to be flexible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a really interesting um, reality. I was just uh, speaking with someone this week that came out of um, Project Zero at Harvard that mm -hmm. is literally like a think tank about thinking about learning. And mm -hmm. it's that whole idea in the Reggio Emilia School of Thinking that we never presuppose a one way. We mm -hmm. start everything with what's your way? Like, mm -hmm. how do you see this? Mm -hmm. um, I can imagine in a Reggio Emilia school being asked, like, where, where's, where's curiosity in your body? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And being able to let it be, you know, you've got 12 people answering it and 12 different answers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's more work. It's, yeah, it's more work and it's more fun, you know, and I definitely think fun. that the, you know, in a lot of ways, that's the, the way I approach teaching, right? And that you know, we're all here and we kind of meet each other wherever we are. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, I, those, those little sculpture pieces that you hanging suspended mobiles, that was actually a collaboration work that I did with commu a community workshop where I invited the public to make these kind of light modulators. So there's like a collective, um, product. And then I photographed each of them and thought about them as like being models for potential sculptures, right? And so this idea of where something goes from an idea to a form. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of mapping process. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought of you um, when I was uh, actually getting dressed because it was reflective. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I just like, there was so much of that going on in the book. I'm like, wait, I'm going to reflect too. Um, so I think there's one more. Yeah, I loved this. Lucia, super smart. Real artists will not worry about it. They will merely be encouraged to move forward to fields beyond, fields they should have been exploiting years ago anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I have a quote from the 1890s that um, 
I'm not going to be able to pull up the source uh, immediately, but it was on the wall in the exhibition in Paris called Who's Afraid of Women Photographers? Mm. And uh, in the 1890s, this woman, uh, she was a critic and she was um, writing and she said, um, we should um, expect that the best photographers are going to be women because unlike other art forms, they were brought into the field at the same time as men. Whereas in sculpture or painting, women were literally excluded for centuries upon mm-hmm. centuries. So mm-hmm. really interesting to, um, you know, not ask permission uh, and, um, and ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the last one. So, and I think we're pretty good. Oh, yay. I never look at the time, but I'm going to stop sharing and Deb is going to help us go through. Like we are a, a, a group where we can just unmute and ask, but I would love for people to be able to ask you any questions directly. And um, yeah, uh, also you know, leave space for you if there's other things that you wanted to tell us about the process, but do we have yeah. some questions? Yeah, no, go ahead. I mean, I think it's it's uh, a challenging thing to see any book via PDF, <laughs> but mm, knowing, oh. you know, knowing that the kind of materiality and, you know, the interiority and the time mm-hmm. that it takes to kind of move through the objects. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a different thing? It's a very different thing. And, and you also are hand binding or hand collating. I don't know what the correct term is. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of handwork in the book. So I'm putting kind of um, some, there's a, an adhesive um, piece you can kind of see that's being mm-hmm, added here. Mm-hmm, and then I'm printing all of the digital negatives. Yes, which are beautiful. That then could kind of be printed for their own image. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the whole thing is um, because of those many pieces, it takes a bit of time to collate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had, I had, I have a lot of amazing humans in my world that, looked at this as it was evolving and oftentimes I would just hear like this is too complicated no one's going to make this book this book's not going to (laughs) happen and I was like it's gonna you know so realizing that like there was a lot of things I just had to do to make it happen um Mm -hmm. and I feel um of course uh initially like oh my gosh is it the right thing but I'm really really uh, grateful for Mm. where it landed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a treasure. It's, I remember um, Odette talking about keepers of the hearth and she wanted to create a garden. Mm. Um, And obviously a garden's regenerative and you visit it. And I think that you have done the same in terms of um, such a model and, and there is such movement and you won't go back to it the same each time you'll pull something else from it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even the thoughtfulness of the cover, which is its own prism in terms of how that was embedded is, is just, and the quote on the back being in the same reflective Mm -hmm. substance, just so many beautiful, thoughtful ways to underscore and amplify your intention, your content. um, And the fact that you have, 
you know, brought in other voices that are almost um, specialists in this one piece of the triangle. Mm -hmm. It just makes it all really, really work together. So mm -hmm. do we have some questions? Yeah, Swanee, I see you. Yeah, hi. Hi. Sonia, it's so beautiful. I'm so excited to have it and live with it and consume it. And having mm -hmm. watched your practice evolve for years, it's a natural. This is a perfect form for it. I wondered if you mm -hmm. might share a little bit with us about working long distance. And I know it's, it's the conveyor is very nimble and Christina's brilliant did packages of papers and foils and I mean how did how did you guys build this from that's afar a, that's a great question thank you for that so yeah I should I should mention briefly that the I I kind of put into the universe that I wanted to work with women primarily um, on this book because of that I think also is a bit of anomaly in publishing photo books and um, I was put in touch with Alana and Alana saw it as a book full of potential, but it needed heavy editing at the time she saw it. And so she shared it with Christina um, and Christina took it on. Actually, it's not a conveyor project. It's kind of her private editorial project. Um, but then because she was right there with the long distancing, the printing ended up happening um, there at conveyor rather than here in Milwaukee. So she could do tests and see things. So we did a lot of, um, I mean, she's, they're both incredibly efficient. <laughs> so we had very like scheduled calls that handled things. And then I flew out um, and visited. We spent a day kind of going through uh, this hard copy. Um, and then with Alana and the book, I was given just like, this is, I had, I, I had already had a few different books that had this stock. So we, were, we had already agreed that I liked this quality of the cover stock because we knew we wanted something to be stamped. So that eliminated a lot of options. And um, she just said, which color, you know, she was like, here's some colors, pick the color. Uh, and then uh, I was a little nervous about how much foiling was gonna happen. You know, I, I was kind of curious about, um, if we just go all out with the rainbow, but it's, it, it looks, you know, and the nice thing about this foil is that it kind of goes to like a middle gray or if it catches the light, it, you know, refracts. So it's, it's pre pretty understated in some ways. Um, and and durable then, too. I mean, it's really, it's durable as well. I've seen other, other combinations of paper or fabric with foil stamping and things that just don't like, yeah, seem yeah. To really blend beautifully. Yeah. So Jason, um, who is Christina's partner, um, did a lot of t heavy testing. I think this this turned out to be kind of challenging. We initially were going to have it fold one more time. Um, and so then just with cost and also production, we um, we shortened it up. And then the third woman involved. Um, well, there's more. There's more than that. But the other woman I want to mention is actually Michelle Grabner, who runs Poor Farm Press. So Michelle Grabner is actually based here in Milwaukee, um, a very well-known painter and uh, curator. She runs a project in Northern Wisconsin where actually my grandmother is from the same county. So it was this beautiful tie into my own, again, my own kind of gene genealogy. So Poor Farm Press, um, used, we used the imprint and the ISBN number through there. So it also right. kind of has mobility within um, a photocentric photo book 
audience, but then Michelle brings a, a different contemporary art audience. So I really love that as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think for everyone on the call, the the combination of Christina, the designer, and Jason, a multi-generation family of, yes. of, of ink on paper, shall we say, of press people. And their expertise is such a fabulous combination to work with. I know a lot of people have really treasured the time that they had making yeah. uh, with conveyors. So it's really interesting to hear about the connection with Portfront Press as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was really worried about, you know, I mean, I think as an artist, and I'm not sure if there's makers on this call, um, but I feel like there's a lot of um, intimidation about like, you want to make a book, you got to have everything lined up, you got to know what the product is, you got to know what the show is, you got to know where the money's coming from, and then you approach a, a publisher with this full thing, and um, you know, I didn't know all those things, but then it, it happened, right? So also this kind of trust fall maybe into the serendipity. Um, I ended up having a show here in Milwaukee um, within Michelle Grabner's space and the book was delayed for six months. So then the book and the show lined up and, you know, so it's been really beautiful. And then Odette's connected me to um, you, Sibylla. So it's just been, yeah, I'm just flowing with it. <laughs> Well, that's what, a, that's what a great book does is it moves you forward in your practice. It doesn't have to be, as Christina said, the end all. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, I, I'll share with you also on, on Radius's website under their submission guidelines. The first thing they say is, is it the right book at the right time for you mm -hmm. and for us? You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not intended to be the, the epic. It's, they want you to make new work. You want to make new work as a result of this. And we right. can't wait to see where it's taking you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. True. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, you, um, Swanee, you and I often get people coming to us saying, I want to make a book. And I mean, and it's really interesting. I think Christina said, um, the book is the new exhibition. And I mean, if I had a dollar for every person who shows up and says, I want a solo show and a book. <laughs> and then it's like, and the gallery, New York and LA, maybe London too, right? That's the other yeah. And, and it's like, look at all of this, which was nonlinear. And I mean, part of what I talk to people about is, um, if you focus on the process, the product will take care of itself. Mm. And the more that people keep going focused on the end product, it's like, look at how you worked for how long with a blank cover and mm. then got this, mm. right? It's like, talk about holding space. It's like mm. holding space for the ideas, letting ideas germinate, um, letting go of ideas, not all of yours or mine or anyone else's are good. Like it's that ability to, you know, go through the creative process. It takes all of those things. And I, yeah. you know, I do think that it's ultimately, I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing um, both Charlotte Cotton and Carrie James Marshall here when I say, and maybe um, Mr. Larry Selton, but it's about your contribution to culture, right? And so, and that feels like a real like egotistical thing to say, but really this piece for me was like, how do I mark where I am right now in this moment and like pull in my connections, like my place that I'm mapping 
how do I hold that? But then how do I also have something to kind of share? Like where, where does the work lie in generosity? Because someone, uh, you know, when people tell you things and you're like, wait, what, what am I doing? But this a really good friend was like, I can't believe you spend so much time making things that disappear. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Like I make these ephemeral, whether it's a large scale public art project that's time-based or I make an installation and then it's totally gone. It doesn't really travel. I mean, I think in a lot of ways art is that, but I wanted to make something that kind of held the spirit of that ephemeral installation and it could move in a way um, and share. So, and hopefully open up more conversations. Like I would have never met you, this is beautiful. But I have to say, one of the things I admire the most about you, Sonia, is that you document your practice so beautifully that mm -hmm. we've all been able to be at those installations over the years because you've taken the time to be precise and you know, expert craft comes through and we can see and experience it. I'll never forget the exhibition that the images were on post-it pads and people could take little bits of the show home with them. It's mm -hmm. participatory, I love that too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that interaction, that was the lacuna piece, but the, um, yeah, the play of, you know, asking questions directly in this book, like addressing the audience, you know, inviting you to participate. There's, mm -hmm. there's a similar kind of gesture in, in the language that was happening in lacuna. That, that that for me became really important and how um, those things, yeah, just multiplies the potential of the work. I think I wrote on my face. <laughs> Do we have some other questions? And Deb, I don't know if anyone wrote any in the chat. Something no, we you don't monitor. have any in the chat. I miss my friend Charlotte. I didn't realize she was here, but that's great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for this time to share and to dive in. And it's really, you know, you put something out in the world and you never quite know how it's going to be received. And one of the things that I've just really enjoyed is collecting tidbits on how people experience the book and whether or not people, I've had people kind of call it its own sculpture or its own installation, you know? And so just hearing from you and how it landed in your person, that was really great. Oh, thank you. I mean, reverberate, I, and, and it's so funny. So as I told you, I think before, it's all these words that ephemeral, refraction, fluid, container, serendipitous, affirming, evacuate, pivotal, generative, experiential, tactile, like, like I keep running notes of what's happening and what I'm, and then if I research, it's more. And so it was coming from so many directions, delightfully. I mean, it's got my name all over it in terms of concept development uh, extraordinaire. And really, um, you know, I teach about experimenting and refining mm -hmm. and, and that, again and again and again and honing and being very conscious conscious aware of your concept so that the intentionality is made into form and material mm. um you know that's and and that is generative and it also is think of thinking of our own self as a prism uh, and the idea coming through us and being able for us to capture 
all the different refractions. Uh, I, I think as an artist, that's what we do. And I think as an artist, it's, it's actually part of your, I don't wanna say job, but your field is to be able to capture that. Mm. To not to just say like, oh, it's light. It's like, no, let's talk about the layers of that light. And some have these hues and making it that much more, uh, like you just said, Swanee, the specificity of things, the precision of things that you then can bounce off of. I think it'd be really interesting uh, to, to riff as well on this idea of the triangle and the mm. idea of three. Um, I mean, I think that that is so foundational that um, I'm going to look to you to come up with some ideas about that or make us think about that. Um, you know, I think there's, I don't, I, it's, I, I'm not unique in this obsession with three, right? And, and triptychs have a long history, uh, specifically in sacred imagery. But um, I do think that um, three is the magic number. I mean, if you got it right, right? And so the way it lands within a, a sacred space, the way it lands within um, uh, our relationship to seeing um, and seeing phenomenon, uh, the subjectivity of our body and time and its relation to, if we're talking about the rainbow, to the water and to the sun. And as we move, you know, things reveal or conceal themselves. And so, um, and I think many, many, many of the light and space artists, I think many, many sculptors, I think many, many artists, you know, think about the relational all the time and how, you know, how do we kind of pivot and position um, and mark our time-space relationship. Uh, I also just think three is, you know, there's some number magic in there between three and nine and 27. Those numbers mean a lot to me personally. And I let that you know, eccentric gesture live <laughs> and mm -hmm. guide me in the work. Um, I, you know, I find that the geometry of thought that like Buckminster Fuller talks about and like the, the relational and that it's flexible, but within those, those three points that pivot. But some people look at, you know, even this mobile behind me as it being kind of dangerous, mm -hmm. that it's aggressive, you know, back to Newton's knife that the point, um, I kind of love that it feels a little dangerous. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then how, uh, when you're in the space with maybe these glass sheets of triangles that I use, tempered glass, but that they're almost imperceivable until you're with them. And then you're confronted with their presence and taken uh, kind of taken back. So that embodiment uh, becomes really important to me. Well, that's interesting. You're making me think of two things there. Um, I'll go backwards because your last point, the idea of being confronted with that invisible um, and being taken aback is actually, for me, a 
embodiment of what has happened both with the pandemic and with the racial reckoning, mm -hmm. that there are these seemingly you can see through them if you're not of them mm -hmm. uh, and then you have to confront it. Right. So, so that is amazing. Our, our geometry as a people in space is being questioned right now. Mm -hmm. um, but you also made me think of um, something else before that. Um, oh, that potentially three is the magic number in terms of challenging structures that we tend to look at in the form of one. Uh, or, uh, you know, hierarchically. Um, I, I was recently approached about this new conceptual entity and they're looking for a single quote unquote leader for lack of a better term. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why are you replicating structure right. when what you want is different? <laughs> so how about if it's three Mm -hmm. And those disseminate. So it's this whole idea of like potentially the triangle really being, or the three being really helpful as we try to dismantle patriarchal systems, which tend to be hierarchical, which tend to be a good, better, best, and a single at the top. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and I guess, do with I guess there's not really so much of a orientation to a a top or like yeah the the um the way you kind of can map space and turn things upside down right um, within the reflection specifically like thinking about the mirrored faceted sculpture um, but within that triangulation like when where is a triangle up or down like there's really you know mm -hmm. there's something that's really fluid about that so I can kind of take components into a space and I know you know I have these elements but then how I can play with them how I can dance with them in a space becomes um yeah really liberating mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. understood so do we have any other questions for Sonia or, or even just how did all this discussion, which was fluid, land for people? <laughs> it's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Hi. Um, Hello. I'm Shannon, longtime Sonia fan. Um, I just want to say, I think the way that the discussion lands makes all the sense in the world. Um, <laughs> mostly as a, as a long time um, fan and observer of Sonia's practice and the way it's evolved, especially sort of taking into consideration her background in science, it just all feels like one sort of ever-evolving organism um so the fact that it it doesn't rest necessarily in one place or have a singular iteration uh i used to have a hard time with her in the studio also trying to nail down what to write in applications <laughs> um but i think that's sort of the the generosity of her practice is that it you know, you can return to it over years and years um, 
for me now, I think over 10 years, which is crazy. Um, it just is so fun to see the way it evolves, the way the language around it evolves, um, the visual iterations of everything. And almost in a way where, you know, obviously Sonia is, is an agent in it, um, but sort of going back to the prism, the way that she functions sort of as a conduit for this mm -hmm. collective consciousness type of, uh, you know, surfacing of ideas and channeling them into our focus and inviting the rest of us to sort of line up our own prisms and, and create these new pathways. Um, I just think it's really fun and encourage everybody to stick with her because it's uh it's it's just constantly um reinventing itself uh so i've, I've had a great time <laughs> <laughs> thank you i'm gonna uh, sorry i was just gonna say i'm gonna quote you on line up your own prisms yeah, yeah. of course of course um that's always been the invitation of hers just wanting people to get involved and and sort of reflect back to her what they're getting and mm -hmm. um sort of give something of their own it's always been very collective very collaborative in my opinion um you know going back into her history of dance where you can sort of function individually or as part of a a group in that way as well um there's just so many intersections that i feel like it's almost like if you play like a pinball machine and it bounces around to all these ideas things just like light up over and over um hard to pin down but fun to watch <laughs> and fun to happen i was the pinball yeah. machine for like days so yeah yeah it's yeah i can relate <laughs> thank you for that yeah, of course. we need to say congratulations to Shannon. She is a new nurse and just graduated <laughs> yesterday. And so kudos to you, Shannon. Wow. For, hey, thank you for, for that. that. And also, you can always be my agent. <laughs> hey, I'll, you know, we'll, I'll, we'll talk after the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for that reflection, Shannon. That's great. Course, Anyone else before we, we wrap? How did it land? Where did this land in your body? Totally curious. Well, we had a very nice comment from Sue who said, part of my background is in body-centered psychotherapies like Hakomi, internal family systems and sensor motor psychotherapy. So I appreciated the places where this touched on the body. Mm -hmm. And we have a great program. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I think that there's something too that I, you know, in the book, um, motherhood comes up a little bit. Um, and the, the, that reflecting that you were talking about, you know, uh, with co-authoring and when, that process, it was such a, you know, huge transformation for me personally, physically, but then it changed my practice. Like I was literally carrying a baby and not carrying a camera. And for someone who kind of always had her, you know, Hasselblad or her Mamiya, like that was my thing. 
my hands were full. And so this, this pivot in my practice that actually started moving into the studio and not into the world and, and building things and then breaking apart photography rather than, you know, thinking about controlling light and time as we do in an exposure, but thinking about light and time as material to activate, to play with, to, to build with, um, within a space, within an object and, you know, hopefully within this book. Um, so I just wanted to make, you know, nod to that. And there's a moment um, where you, this, this moment is kind of one of my favorites in the book where mm -hmm. it's actually like a, a portrait of my mother that I, I peeled the um, emulsion off of a photograph. So that's mm -hmm. just like the impression mm -hmm. of her. And mm -hmm. then um, you, you turn the page and then there's this mm -hmm. peeled. So the, the process of the, these two photographs are very similar and yet how they look are very different. Um, mm -hmm. But so you, you kind of are grounded within this nesting and kind of generational um, position as, as then you spiral outward um, and try to hold on to more things and broader ideas. So interesting because I, I actually use that image in a story uh, on Mother's Day mm. and um, thinking about mothering um, it is the physical embodiment of holding space for another uh, and letting go and co-authoring mm -hmm. like yeah you had something to do with it but you have absolutely nothing to do with the rest of it so it's mm -hmm. fascinating to think about uh, that and uh, it brings me back to Susan Griffith because that idea of the whole um, idea of that process being so powerful um, and uncontrollable mm -hmm. and how to hold that dichotomy. Mm -hmm. um, very, very interesting. Well, I'm so, you've certainly um, seeded many a garden that I am going to be um, tending for a while, I think. I, I would just love to actually go, um, you know, for a month and get all of the reference books that you have. And Deb, who works with me, do not get any ideas of getting every one of these because you and I would both do that. And then we'd never do anything else that we're supposed to do. But all of those books, like I just want to go I just want to go read your references so thank you for the the generosity of thought um and uh we'll have to both um thank Odette yes yes thank yeah. you In universe thank you Odette yeah uh, and thank you for you know all of you I don't know I'm sure you will be in and move in my world and affect the moves that I make and I know that uh Swanee you have and Shannon you have and your kindness, Sibylla, has definitely changed me. And I appreciate that. I appreciate all of you. Ah, thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> Hold up that reflector. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for your time. And thank you for everyone who came. And uh, we follow up with a, kind of a, a roadmap of it because we try to catch those prisms and get them down so you can keep going and research too. So thank you. Thank you. All right, Hi, take everyone. care. Thanks.